Growing up, today's going to be something of a, uh, a, a teachy kind of message rather than a preachy one. Uh, I want to look today at growing up and, and I want to ask the question, what does it mean when we say that someone needs to grow up? Well, it can mean two things. On the one hand, we talk about growing up in the context of children. They get born and they need to grow up. They need to grow up into an adult. When we talk about growing up, we're talking about development. Uh, and it's normal for children to grow up into adults. And in fact, if a child stops uh, growing up, uh, whether it be physically or emotionally or educationally, we instinctively know there's a problem because it's normal to grow up. Um, but then there's other times where we say to someone, you need to grow up. Now that shows that uh, there's a bit of a problem there. Uh, many of you have heard this saying, act your age, not your shoe size. All right? Which is really saying you need to grow up. Uh, someone uh, is acting in age, but perhaps it's an adult that's acting like a child, and they need to grow up and act like an adult. Um, but here's the thing that both of those understandings of growing up highlight, and it's this. It's normal to grow up and mature. All right? That's just normal. Uh, it's abnormal to not grow up and mature. And I want to suggest to you this morning that growing up is an ongoing thing. It's not just something that you do to grow up from a child to an adult and then you stop. And most of us know someone who's grown up from a child to an adult and then they've stopped growing and you kind of go, well, that's actually a problem at that point. The uh, phrase that gets thrown around in education, of which I was part of for um, school education, I'm still in education by the way, but uh, school education, of which I was part of, is this one, be a lifelong learner. Uh, what's a lifelong learner? Well, it's someone who is ongoingly growing. They're learning new things. They continue to grow up, but growing up is much, much deeper than just education. Uh, growing up is about being truly human. Here's the way I would put it. Uh, to be truly human is to ongoingly grow up. It's normal to grow up, <laughs> and it's normal to keep growing up. That's what's normal. And, and so the big kind of picture idea, which uh, I'd love for you to get a, a handle on today, is, is just get after as much growing up as you can. Just keep growing up. I remember uh, one of the fathers of this church many years ago, I remember going to visit him only months before he died, and he was in his 70s. And um, I sat down with him, and, uh, you know, he had multiple tumours through his body, and, and it, was, uh, it was close to the end. And he said to me, he said, Peter, he said, you know, um, the other night the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and he told me that there was still some brass in my heart. There's still some hard parts in my heart. And he goes, and I need to, I need to work on those things. And I thought, that'll do me a guy that's, that's followed Jesus for decades and he's in his 70s and he still sees some areas where he needs to grow up. And uh, I want to put that before you as a really good thing. I think it's an amazing thing that, uh, that someone would say that and I would encourage you uh, to adopt it, uh, to adopt the idea that we should always be growing. And I could ask the question, uh, who, who wants to grow up? Do you want to grow up? Doesn't matter how old you are. Um... Today I want to look at two different categories of growing up and then two different ways that growing up happens. So let's kick into the first one. Uh, growing up is normal for true humans. I want to stop and think for a moment about Adam and Eve 
Uh, you know, I've heard people ask the question before, how old were Adam and Eve in the garden? You ever wondered that? I mean, we know how old Adam was when he, was, when he died, and he was 930. And you'd be saying at his funeral, he had a good innings, <laughs> right? 930 is a pretty good innings. We know that from Genesis 5.5. Uh, but how old were they when they were created? How old were they in the garden? They obviously weren't newborns. And some of you might be thinking at this point, well, why is this even relevant? And the reason why this is relevant is sometimes we can think about someone being perfect and lump it in the same boat as someone being mature. Um, did Adam and Eve still need to learn and grow even though they were perfect? Well, they totally did. They totally did. Uh, you can start here in uh, Genesis. Uh, this is before the fall, right? God creates a man and woman. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful. Why did God said to them? That's terrible English, right? But why did God said to them? He said to them what he said because they didn't know it. And they needed to know it. There was some stuff about the world they just didn't know. They were perfect, but they needed God to actually tell them about things. They needed to grow in wisdom. All right? And so when I said before that uh, you need to mature, it's not necessarily... What I'm talking about here is not a sin kind of immaturity and maturity. I'm, I'm just talking about growing up. Um, it's pretty huge, right? And, and this... Category of wisdom is the mega category in which you can put all of this stuff about growing up. And, and, and you need to realise that growth in wisdom, biblically, is actually tied to being truly human. It, it's actually not a fallen, sinful thing that we need to recover from. It's just what you need to be doing and keep doing. Uh, how do we know this? Well, we know it a little bit from here in Genesis, but look at Luke's comment on Jesus. The only other perfect man who's ever lived, he stayed perfect. And Jesus increased in what? Wisdom. And in stature and in favour with God and man. Now, you might be a little uncomfortable about that, but Jesus needed to increase in wisdom. <laughs> you see, now, increase in wisdom or growth in wisdom is not just about knowing stuff. It's about bringing what you know to bear on the way that you live life so that you live life very skillfully. It's skillful living. Um, now, you might ask the question. You might, might go, okay, if this is part of growing up is, is growing in wisdom, what, what are some ways that we need to grow in wisdom? Um, well, every way. <laughs> every single way. Um, I'm reading through Proverbs at the moment, and uh, I, used to, I had this line I used to say to students at, um, at school when I was teaching. Uh, I'd say... Um, the foolish person learns from their own mistakes. The wise person learns from everyone else's. And that's actually the point of Proverbs, is that it would skill you up to be wise so you don't have to make those same mistakes. So if you read the first part of the book of Proverbs, it sounds like a father kind of cajoling and encouraging his son. It's like, son, don't be an idiot. Come here and do this stuff. This is really, really good. Um, and so I picked a chapter at random and I thought I'd just go through, this is only the first 13 verses and look at all the topics about wisdom that it's good to grow in. You ready for this? 
Verse 1 in Proverbs 18 is selfishness makes people unfriendly. Verse 2, the problem with being opinionated. Who knows there's a problem with being opinionated? Probably more than one. Verse 3, the connection between wickedness and shame. Verse 4, the problem with unjust dealings. Verse 5, the connection between your tongue and your soul. Verse 6, how gossip works. Verse 7, laziness and its effects. Verse 8, how God is a refuge. Verse 9, the deceptive nature of wealth. Uh, Verse 10, humility and pride. Verse 11, good communication. And somewhere I've lost a couple of verses there, but you get the point, all right? Um, That's like about half of Proverbs 18. And there's a lot of chapters in the book of Proverbs. Um, And that... This doesn't include the wisdom of going to school. I mean, I'm happy to put maths in the category of growth in wisdom. Who else is with me on that? Yeah. And English. And English. Yeah, tip my hat to the humanities. Exercise. Exercise is part of growing up. You go to university, you grow in wisdom at university. See, there's a, there's a side to wisdom that's not just a general kind of wisdom. It's like, how has God made me and how do I actually live in and be the person that he's made me to be? And it includes these other things. It includes your career. Um, for me, I get supervised. Uh, as a counsellor, I get supervised. What's that? Well, it's growth in wisdom. Uh, I've got to do professional development to stay registered. What's that? Well, that's growth in wisdom. I read books. You read books. We get mentoring. Um, In some ways, going to the gym and exercise and just becoming the person that God's made us to be is part of growing up in there as well. Um, You know, it's normal to continually grow into the person God has made you to be, and wisdom is a central category for that. And we want to be people, don't we, who grow in wisdom? Do you want to be that? You want to be wiser in 12 months than you are right now? I do. Yeah, sometimes people say things like, I'd, I'd love to go back to being 22 again. And I just go, I wouldn't like to go back to being 22 again, right? Because I'd have to have the level of wisdom I had at 22, which is pretty ordinary. I think I'd rather have the body I've got now and the wisdom I've got now than the, a young body and, and the wisdom I had then. Anyone with me on that? A few amens. Um, here's, here's a label I give for this kind of growth. And it's not... I trust that you can see here, this has got nothing to do... I mean, the sin and evil can interface with this, but it actually doesn't have anything to do with sin and evil. It's got to do with you becoming the person God made you to be. I call it growth in created likeness. Now, morality has a bearing on it. Uh, but strictly speaking, like if you... If one of my kids comes home and they failed a mass test and they studied hard and they worked really hard, they don't need to repent. All right? They haven't done something wrong. If, if, if uh, there's been some training and some care about it and they've had a 100-metre race and they came last or they came third or even second, which apparently is the first loser, um, they don't need to say sorry for that. All right? These kinds of things, these kinds of things that you grow into, growing into who God made you to be as a person, they're not, strictly speaking, moral things. Um, And growing in wisdom is a huge part of what it means to grow into the person that God's made you to be. So what do I call this growth in created likeness? Well, uh, the book of Genesis talks about humanity 
being made in the image and likeness of God. And I think that God has something specific in mind with those phrases in Genesis uh, chapter 1. And there's no kind of question about that. But in a more general sense, I think that we all in some way resemble God. Everything about us came from him and everything in some way points back to him. This is what we actually see in Romans 1 verse 20. God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. And, and given that humans have been made, we're in that category as well. And so I kind of think if you could get all of the personalities and all the giftings and talents of every person in the world and everyone who's ever lived and just kind of put them all together in a big um, jar, like a really big jar, you would be getting closer to understanding the nature of God and his personality and his giftings and talents. Um, I think that's part of what Romans 1 verse 20 is saying. We, we actually reflect him in some way we're made in his like, likeness. When we grow up, we grow up into and develop more into his likeness. Uh, but there's another kind of growth that's actually ongoing, and this is the second one I want to deal with here, and it's ongoing at least until Jesus comes back or you die, whichever one comes first. And it's growth in areas of our lives where sin makes us foolish, immature and childish. Uh, this is a really clear category in the New Testament. You know, when we call someone immature, it's almost never used in a descriptive fashion. It's always kind of labelling someone with something negative about them. If someone's immature, they're not at the level they should be at. And, and this is the kind of thing that we see in the New Testament quite uh, frequently. Uh, the reason for this is that sin makes people foolish. It makes people childish. Sin is immaturity. It makes us children in the worst possible way. We're meant to grow up. You can see this in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Paul says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You see it in other places. You can see it in what Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 verse 1 to 3. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. All right, you're meant to grow up. We see it in Hebrews 12, uh, 5 verse 12 to 13. It's a rebuke for though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness since he is a child. So there's a sense in the New Testament, it's like you need to grow up and sin has a way of keeping us immature. And there's lots of places that we, get, we could go just to think about the way that sin makes us immature. If you... <laughs> sin has a way of... Uh, deceiving us into believing lies. And, and often they're lies that are very, very straightforward to people around us. You notice that? You can kind of buy a lie in a particular area and everyone around you, is, if you actually set it out of your mouth to them, they go, really, you're falling for that one? But, but that's kind of what sin does. It makes us uh, believe lies. It, it blinds us. 
You know, here's, here's one. We, we instinctively know that selfishness and living for yourself is not a truly human characteristic. Um, yet this is the centre of what sin is actually about. You know, you, you can look in the media and it's... <laughs> you'll find it quite difficult to uh, find people who are being praised for being selfish in the media. It just, it just doesn't happen. Now, there might be some spaces and places where, where that actually happens, but as a general rule, people don't get praised for being selfish because they know that being selfish is a childish thing to do. It's not an adult thing to do. We just find perhaps sometimes trickier ways to do it. I mean, at the moment in the last week, it's come out. I'm going to be very careful here. It, it's, it's some of the intolerance of people who are criticising people for being intolerant is stunning to me. And I kind of think, but you just probably just, it'd be good for you to sit down and just read a dictionary. Look up intolerance in the dictionary and just see if there's any similarity between what you're criticising and what you're actually doing right now. See, it's, it's just, it kind of can mess with us. And that's, that's the reality about what sin and evil does, is it actually makes us not see things that are obvious. It makes us a bit uh, childish. I mean, even think about uh, someone not being teachable. Now, I have had many, many times in my life where I've not been teachable. And it's the dumbest thing ever, Right? Uh, how is it possible that any one person could know everything anyway? Like it, just, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and that's the reality about what sin does. Sin just kind of makes us immature, it makes us childish. And, and so there's a need for us, and Scripture speaks of this, there's a need for us to grow up. And it's not just growing up into the person that God's made you to be, it's actually grow up from the immaturity that sin has brought about in your life. And you might ask, well, how does that happen? How do you grow up? And I just want to go back quickly to uh, the previous scripture, actually this one here, Hebrews 5, verse 12 to 13, and look at the very next verse, because I think it gives us a hint as to how growing up happens. Here we go, you ready? This is how you get, this is how you grow up. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by what? Constant practice. To distinguish good from evil. Now, this is interesting, right? This, this text is talking about uh, deep, solid spiritual food, that it's for the mature. And how do you get to be mature? By constantly practicing the discernment of good and evil. Why is this interesting? This is interesting because this is part of the devil's temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And the interesting thing about it is there's this lure that the devil throws out to Adam and Eve about you're going to get wise if you eat this fruit. Um, and, and it's weird because Adam and Eve were on this trajectory to get wise. But it was like they, they reached out and grasped it and did it their way. Um, how are they to get wise? How are they to grow up? You know the way that God... Uh, has set it up for everyone to grow up is the same way that it was set up for Adam and Eve, by being tested over and over and over. That's how you grow up. And it's not actually surprising to us because uh, when you look at anything you want to master, what do you do? You learn and learn and learn by doing it. That's how you learn. 
The way you get stronger physically is by going to the gym. What are you doing? Well, you go to the gym and you lie down on the bench press and you put weights on the bar and you test your muscles. That's what you do. And then once your muscles can lift the weight that you've got on the bar, what do you do? You put more weight on so that you test your muscles more. Think about learning the piano. You start off learning the piano with a piece that you can't play. You test and you practice over and over and over. You test and test your fingers and your brain until you can play it. And what do you do if you want to get better at the piano after you can play it? You get a harder piece and you start playing that and you can't do that one either, but you test and test and test over and over in your practice. I mean, think about uh, schooling and universities. What, what do they do? It's like, well, we're going to teach a whole bunch of stuff and then at the end of teaching a whole bunch of stuff, you know what we're going to do? We're going to test you. We're going to have exams. You're going to have to write an assignment. You're going to have to process it. And so you just, I want you to understand that testing is, is all over the place and it's actually the way that you grow up. So what does God do for his people to help them to grow up? He brings along tests, sometimes very hard ones. <laughs> and the point of God's tests that he brings along for you and for me is not to make you fail and then point in your face and say you're a failure and you haven't actually succeeded at this, you're a loser. God brings along tests so that you will pass it, right? That's the point in the end. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man, but God's faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You're going to lift the 60 kilos on the bench press, or 20, or 30. That's the point of it, is not to find you out and to make you feel bad, but to strengthen you, to grow you. And this is why I think we see in the garden, like if people often ask, why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and, the, and evil in the garden? To test them. And what was the point of the test? Well, they were meant to pass it. They were meant to pass it. That's how it's meant to work. Would there have been more tests to follow if they kept passing it? Now, I don't know. Who knows what day it was in the garden when they... Um, I gave in to the temptation with the serpent. It would be interesting if it was like a month in, wouldn't it? Because it's like, well, they passed it for 30 days. <laughs> so we'll give them some points maybe for that. But we don't know. We don't know how long it was. Uh, but, but here's the point. If they continued to pass the test with the tree, would there have been another test? Oh, you better believe it. Of course there would be. There'd be heaps more tests. And it seems to me that, you know, if God created mango trees, that not eating from the tree the knowledge of good and evil is probably one of the easier tests, all right? But maybe that's just me. And what's interesting about this is when you move through um, biblical history, you get to Jesus shows up on the scene. What, what happens to him before he actually starts his ministry? Well, he gets sent into the wilderness. And what happens to him? Well, he gets tested. It's just, it's what happens. It, it's, it's how it happens with people who are, um, are true humans. We see these uh, really interesting texts that can make some pe people's heads spin 
in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 2 and chapter 5. I mean, the author of Hebrews likes this particular phrase quite a bit, and I'm just going to put them on the screen for you so you can see it. Hebrews 2 verse 10, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, Jesus, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. All right? So the, the writer of Hebrews likes this idea of Jesus being made perfect. He uh, repeats it again in Hebrews 5 verse 8 to 9. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. This is interesting, right? Because you could look at that and you go, what are you telling me that Jesus wasn't perfect? And I think what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, what he's actually teaching is not that Jesus, sorry, I don't think, this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying uh, not that Jesus wasn't perfect, but he wasn't complete in his humanity. There's a perfection that results from actually having suffered. All right? And, and this, is the, this is different from, this is what one of the commentators said, there's a perfection that results from having suffered and that's different from the perfection that you might see from someone who's ready to suffer. It's just different. It's a bit like um, rugby league, uh, the grand final was last Sunday. And one of the things that uh, you'll hear talked about sometimes with a player in rugby league who's been injured and they've been out of the game for a while is they say... Or we're just not sure how match fit he is. I talk about match fitness. And it's the idea that you can do lots and lots of stuff, um, uh, lots of drills on the paddock, you can do lots of gym work, but it's a whole different kettle of fish to actually being in a game and having played a few games. And there's something about who Jesus is in his humanity that is made perfect and complete through suffering. But here's the key thing about it. Um, he had to not give up. And uh, I'm just giving you a Cook's tour this morning, and uh, I'm almost done. I'm just giving you a Cook's tour, but I've been uh, reading a book called Grit. Uh, it's, a, um, it's not a Christian book, but it's a very good book, and it's got a lot of good insights. And I think the lady's name is uh, Angela Duckworth from memory. This is not in my notes. Uh, and she's a uh, psychologist, and she she talks about the importance of this really hard-to-define thing inside of people, which is she calls grit. And uh, she got called in to um, help out with the uh, special forces training in the American military because the, the, what they noticed, and this is what she says in her book, is that um, overwhelmingly the thing that guarantees success is not talent, it's actually perseverance and grit, Right? And uh, so the special forces got her in and said, can you come up with some kind of scale to measure grit? Um, because we'd like to just find out who's got grit at the start so that we don't have to go through this whole process and have all these people drop out to be in the special forces. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, it's a fascinating book. There's a bunch of fascinating insights in there. And as I listen to it, I hear all this interfacing with the idea of perseverance in the scriptures. And it's like that, if you give up, In the middle of a test, the opportunity to grow goes with it. And it doesn't mean that God won't give you another shot. Sometimes the test gets changed. Um, but that's kind of the gig. And I, some of you, um, 
are probably going through a really hard test at the moment. All right? And if you're going through a really hard test, I want you to hear two things. One thing is this. It's not too hard for you with Jesus being with you. That's what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. The second thing is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just hold on. All right? Either help's going to come or you're going to stand up underneath it or both. Tests are just that. They're not, they're not easy. And the older you get, the harder the tests get. The more mature, the more weight gets put on the bar. And, and that can sound negative and um, so if we want to avoid it, I know I get that. I've just come off 10 days holidays, right? Um, but um, that's how you're going to grow. That's how God's made it for you to grow. Here's the other way that you uh, grow, and this is what I want to uh, finish, finish with, and this one's probably not quite as fun, uh, but you actually grow through discipline. Um, and we, uh, we find this uh, really clearly in Hebrews chapter 12. There's quite a discourse by the writer of Hebrews on how discipline uh, helps us to grow. And, and in verse 7, he kind of opens up and says, Endure hardship as discipline. Um, one of the sayings that I use pretty frequently um, in my house, and my boys are sick of it, uh, but I'll just tell you now, and then all you other parents out there can frustrate your children with it. And that and we can all have frustrated kids. Um, no, not really. I'm kidding. But here's the saying. Um, I say to my boys, uh, I only have to discipline you if you're not self-disciplined. So my job is to, as, a, as, as the father is to do myself out of a job at the end of the day. So if I, if I do my discipline well, then you'll become self-disciplined and I'll stop disciplining, whatever that is. Um, you know, what, what is discipline? I remember having a chat with my dad about this one. He was a bit uncomfortable with this, but look, let's just be honest. Discipline is when you bring pain into someone's life because they need to learn something. That's what it is. Um, and usually discipline is aimed at growing people in areas where there is moral failure. All right? And discipline is a very, very good thing. It's not particularly pleasant, but it's a very good thing. Um, and, and here's the thing. Um, God uses all sorts of pain in our lives and Hebrews 12 verse 7 says, uh, the writer says, endure hardship as discipline. Whatever hardship comes, take it as discipline and grow. Uh, God loves you. Uh, but God uses all sorts of pain in our lives to grow us in areas where we are spiritually immature. So it could be uh, just straight out suffering or hardship. It could be consequences of our actions. It could even be persecution. Um, there's a lot of things that God brings to discipline us so that we'll grow up. And um, someone, when I was um, uh, writing Becoming You, the book, the book that I wrote last year, um, someone who was a writer came up to me and they said, you know what, no writer likes to write, but every writer likes to have written. Because writing's really hard work. So when you think about growing up, we don't always like the process to grow up. But who regrets growing up? <laughs> like no one, right? No one. I want to finish with a section from uh, 
Romans 5, and I know that I've skipped through stuff, and it's a cook stew. I'd love to do a, like a probably 35 sermon series on, uh, um, I'm jesting, uh, on uh, perseverance and, and testing, because it's a, it's a mega category in Scripture, um, and it's really, really important. But Romans 5 has just got a nice little uh, argument that Paul kind of throws out, um, which, which I think is really helpful just to, just to wrap up on. Uh, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, not because we love to be hurt. We rejoice in our sufferings because of what they do. Um, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So think marathon runner, uh, grit. And endurance produces character. I'm going to come back to that one in a minute. And character produces hope. So over time, if you have trusted in the Lord and you've, you've held firm and, and you haven't given way um, in the middle of testing, you will, you will prove to yourself and you will learn, you will know at a very, very deep level that God's trustworthy and he can be trusted, which means that your hope is stronger. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want to finish by uh, the word roughly in the middle there, character. All right? Now, you might read that word character and you just kind of go, oh, you're just going to become a better person. And it's not really exactly talking about that. The Greek word behind the word character there kind of means something a little bit more than that. It does include that, but it means something a little bit more than that. And here's kind of what it means. Um, if you have suffered and you've endured, you know what you're going to look like? You're going to look like someone who's been tested. That's the idea of the bit about character there. Um, and this, this is what we're aiming for, right? Isn't it? I mean... Do you, want it? Do you want to be someone who looks like they've been tested? I don't know whether you've ever had a conversation with someone, but sometimes uh, I go up and meet people, and I don't mean this in a critical way, but sometimes I go up and meet people and I go, this person's got it all together. It just feels like they've got everything worked out. Um, but then as the conversation goes on and on, you just, there's a part of me that just goes, oh, you haven't really been tested yet. And it's not that all the things about them aren't true. You just start getting this sense, oh, you, you haven't really been tested in that yet. Um, and, and I've caught myself sometimes just in the back of my mind as I've been talking to someone like this, just going, well, we'll just see, won't we? <laughs> when, when you get tested. And I don't mean that in a rude way. It's just like, we'll just see. Because that's the thing for me too. Like when I get tested, I can have all the theory and talk about all the theory and even do it from up here. And, uh, but at the end of the day, we'll see, won't we, when Peter actually gets tested in that area. Because um, I think it, it changes it, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? Because the, the other... Um, and, and it's not like... If you're someone who hasn't really been tested yet, please, please do not hear me putting you down because God will test you and he'll keep ratcheting the tests up because he wants to grow you. And, and that'll just all happen as a natural part of life. Well, you don't need to go looking for that. Um, but, but you know what it's like, those who um, perhaps are a little bit older, when you walk up and you talk to someone and you've got this sense when you're talking to them, it's like they don't just know this, like they, they know this. 
they've been they've been really tested um, and, and there's something about them not necessarily on the outside but there's something about them when you're standing there you go now you just feel really rugged to me <laughs> you know it feels like you've been through a few wars and a few battles and you, you hung on and and you and God found a way through it you, you're a you're a seasoned veteran that's what you are and um, that's that's I think what um, what Paul's talking about here in uh, Romans 5 verse 4 is like he's going, suffering's going to turn you into a seasoned veteran. That's a whole different thing. That's the kind of people we want to be, right? I mean, no one's sticking their hand up to say, yeah, just bring a whole bunch of suffering on top of me. But when the suffering and the testing and all that sort of stuff comes and we persevere and we don't give in and we get the help from God that he needs and we trust him knowing that the burden's not going to be too big for us and we get through it, we'll become uh, seasoned veterans. That's the kind of people we want to be. Amen? God, none of us like suffering and uh, even in the middle of it, we, we don't even like testing. Um, uh, it, it, it would never make the top 10 or 20 list in our lives of fun things to do um, and probably God if we're all honest uh, none of us here, myself included have got testing on our bucket list it's like let's just have more of that before we die but we do see it it's all around the place and there's lots of tests and there's lots of little ones and lots of big ones and, and we're all here today because we passed a bunch of tests and we're really thankful to you for that. And we're thankful for the way that you've grown us. Maybe there's people here today who are in the middle of some really hard tests. And God, I just pray that by your spirit, you just um, remind them um, that you will not test them beyond what they can bear. But you'll provide a way out. That you'll be with them in the middle of it. And I pray for them particularly uh, that you'd help them to be really gritty. Um, and remember... Uh, the word in Proverbs that uh, righteous people get up one more time than they fall down. And so I just pray for them today that you would help them to, um, to get up if they're down um, and always get up one more time. Um, so we just thank you that you do this, this good work in us. We, we would like to become mature people and uh, seasoned veterans without the testing or the, or the discipline. <laughs> but uh, we just say to you that we know that that's not actually how it works. Um, so we, we trust you with the testing and the uh, discipline that you bring along, that it will be good, that it will honour you, that it will be um, growing and good for us. And uh, we just ask for your help in it, we trust you in it, uh, to walk with you through it. Amen.